Welcome to the Restoring Virtue podcast. I'm your host, Emily. Thank you for being patient with me as I worked on this final seventh episode and for, as this episode is titled, coming back to join me once again. I hope by now you have been able to incorporate some of the virtues and principles we've discussed into your healing process, that you are feeling some release from your burdens, and that you feel safe here with me. In the summer of 2019, lightning ignited a wildfire in Alaska that burned roughly 170,000 acres between the fishing towns of Sterling and Cooper Landing. While the fire raged, signs lined the highway warning drivers of delays and shutdowns. I was one of those drivers, headed to the area for a wedding party. I got through to my destination, but the thick smoke limited visibility and polluted the air. The fire burned for three months, threatening homes and businesses and causing the unfortunate destruction of beautiful forestry and the ecosystem that existed there. When the fire finally died and the wind carried the haze away, the only thing left of the forest was thousands of scorched tree trunks. The following year, I was back in the area. In the forest's efforts to recover from the trauma, all I could see for miles through the blackened trees was a magnificent contrast of fluorescent pink flowers. Fireweed is a plant native to Alaska. It grows freely on mountainsides, riverbanks, and open fields. Its flowers grow on large stalks that can reach up to six to nine feet tall. Many people believe the name fireweed was given to this plant because the color of the dense blooms can blanket a landscape, giving the illusion of a wildfire. However, the descriptive name actually comes from the fact that fireweed is one of the first plants to appear after a fire has swept through an area. Like the forest fire, sexual trauma can rage through our lives, destroying everything in its path, leaving us scorched and bare, the metaphorical smoke making it difficult to breathe. After the fire dies, the smoke lingers, but then the winds pick up and blow it away, and fresh rain settles the dust. Winter may bring a period of unfeeling cold. In time, though, the spring comes again, triggering new growth from within the ashes. Healing grows up bright and vibrant in the path that trauma has left, until we can see clearly through the destruction something beautiful within ourselves. I love the symbolism in Lehi's dream found in 1 Nephi chapter 8, depicting a straight and narrow path and an iron rod leading to the tree of life, a representation of eternal life. However, in my experience, the path is neither straight nor narrow, but like our forest, a wide and expansive ecosystem. An ecosystem is a circle of life where weather, landscape, and living organisms work together and depend on each other for survival. Living the gospel of Jesus Christ is an intricate balance of principles and virtues that work together for our good. While everything in the gospel ecosystem has an important part to play, there are things that are more vital to its survival. The Son, Jesus Christ, who gives light and life to all things— the energy we breathe, or the love of God that fills the expanse of space and time, and our agency, which is the grounds for everything we do. Then we have the landscape of truth and a living testimony of faith and trust, 
all of which is supported by seasons of consecration and sacrifice. A healthy ecosystem means happiness in this life and in the next. Our hope is that if something happens to damage the ecosystem, such as a fire or sexual abuse, that we can recover or return it to a state of health. There are over 8,000 words in the English dictionary that use the prefix re, changing the meaning of a given word to indicate repetition or to mean again or come back. Now, I have a confession to make. This is a rewrite and a re-recording of my seventh episode. I previously published a seventh episode titled The Gift of Being Broken. While I was recording it, I felt like something was missing or that I wasn't expressing myself well, but I continued with my recording and published it anyway. Within 24 hours, I began to feel conflicted. Doubts about this whole project began to seep into my mind, then guilt for not being able to just let it go. Next came thoughts of being a hypocrite for sending the message of peace out into the world and then almost immediately falling backward in my personal progression. My focus turned to questions of who was listening to my voice and what they might think and if it was good enough, and I got caught up checking the listener statistics on my podcast. Sounds a lot like the downward spiral. In order to stop the downward spiral, I decided to turn off the stats. That choice is what helped me refocus my mind and realize where I made a mistake. I rushed to get a seventh episode published because I wanted to keep my audience engaged, and honestly, I just liked the feeling of completing a project. What set me back was letting my own will take priority over letting God lead me through to the end. Now, here I am in real time, telling the story of coming back to my microphone, trying again, repeating my seventh episode. Was it meant to be this way? To confess my mistake as part of the story? Isn't that the ultimate question of physical and emotional pain, weakness, death, and sorrow? Is it meant to be part of the story? I guess that depends on how you tell the story. A very dear friend of mine asked me once, when will I know that I've healed? I told her, when what you've gone through is worth it because you're stronger now than you could have been. I told her, you'll know when you've healed when your story changes from the trauma that happened to you to what Jesus has done for you. It's what every good story is made of, overcoming opposition to make a triumphant comeback. And Jesus Christ has already told that story. He was born to the Virgin Mary and was the only begotten Son of God the Father, fully human and fully divine. He walked the earth and experienced mortality. Because of his unique dual nature, he alone had the power to live the perfect life. He taught truth recorded in scripture and showed us the way to live God's plan. He consecrated his will and sacrificed his life for us because he loves us and granted the miracle of forgiveness. He gives us hope that we can be better. His story is called the atonement of Jesus Christ. 
It is one of pain and sorrow caused by the weakness of mortality and ultimately death on the cross. But that is not the end of the story. He made a triumphant comeback. He returned three days later, arms outstretched with nail prints in his hands, offering us his atoning power so that we too might be the heroes and heroines of our own stories with only one small request, that we also make a sacrifice. His own words are found in Ether chapter 12, verse 27. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Our sacrifice is simple, really. It is to acknowledge our most basic human need for connection, and that not only is that need due to the fires that rage in our lives, but that sometimes it takes the fire to surrender to that need, then to humbly accept the help of Jesus Christ and to love him for it. The paradox is that true strength lies in the humble reality that we were never meant to do any of this alone. And that is how we recover from sexual abuse, how fear is removed, how pain is released, how trust is repaired, and how strength is restored through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said to the humble in his Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is the humble who will be completely restored and return to God's presence to receive eternal life and exaltation. Then, at the end of the story, you won't care about the opposition. You will cheer for the hero, and it will all be worth it. I shared that this recording is a repeat of my seventh episode. I didn't mean my second repeat. I have come back and reworked this episode at least a dozen times. I have removed paragraphs, rearranged words, rephrased my thoughts, reconstructed ideas, researched topics, stepped away from my computer when I got stuck, and then returned when I was ready to try again. Writing this seventh episode has not been easy. But I gave myself the time I needed to get out what I wanted to say. That's what this process really looks like behind the scenes. So try to remember that healing is not a destination, but a journey, one in which you must keep coming back. It is fitting that I talked in my sixth episode titled Forgiveness about something more to make my story complete. Because through the process of writing and publishing this podcast and exploring on a deeper level what abuse means, I have come to an awareness that the something more is that I need to repent and ask for forgiveness for abusing myself and for becoming the perpetrator by sending my pain back out into the world in the aftermath of sexual abuse. For the control, the neglect, the overindulging and risk I put upon myself, for telling myself that I was ugly, that I was a failure, 
and that I was worthless for not using my own voice to stand up for and defend the daughter of God that I am, for pushing rejection onto other people when I felt insecure. My own pain from childhood sexual abuse prevented me from seeing the pain that I spread. I justified it and called it coping instead of what it actually is, abuse. For the first time in my life, I feel genuine repentance. Now, how is that for a confession? I am not afraid of the word abuse. Abuse only means to misuse something. We are all abusers on some level when we try to gain control over a person or situation for our own benefit. All forms of abuse are wrong. And I wonder if self-abuse isn't in fact the worst kind of abuse, to misuse the body and the life we've been given. And I'm not afraid of the word repent. Repent simply means to change. I did get on my knees and ask for forgiveness. I didn't feel anything right away, but as I finished this seventh episode to bear my testimony to you, a change has come over me. I have changed my mind about the definition of abuse. I have changed my perspective and see myself in a new light, a more truthful light. I have had a change of heart and chose to embrace all that this life has to offer, including the abuses, the love and the hate, the sacrifices, the joy and laughter, the sadness, the conflict and rejection, the opportunity to experience this great, tender mercy we call life, and to forgive myself and others. It is all worth it because it made me who I am today, stronger and has given me this testimony of Jesus Christ at the center of my story. I do feel a burden lifted off of me, and I know that I have been forgiven. You might think that repentance is associated with guilt, but oddly enough, the paradox is that I feel better. The conflict has died. As I reflect on the events of my life, it makes almost too much sense, like gazing over a lake that is perfectly still. I think what this feeling could be is peace. Bearing testimony seems to be a part of the repentance process. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 62, verse 3, it says, Ye are blessed for the testimony which ye have borne is recorded in heaven for the angels to look upon, and they rejoice over you, and your sins are forgiven you. I am a daughter of God with a divine nature. I lived with him before I came to this earth and was taught these things that I have borne testimony of. I know that God lives and that Jesus Christ is his Son, and that he suffered and died so that we can be made whole. I know that the virtues and principles taught in the scriptures and by living prophets are true and will lead you to eternal life. I know these things as surely as I know the sun will rise. I have suffered in mortality, but I cannot deny that I have felt God's love and partaken of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I hope that the testimony I've shared here will help make up for some of the pain I spread. I do not feel regret 
but I feel humbled by God's care and strengthened by his grace. My principal task now is to remember, to bring to mind again or come back to this knowledge. Prophet Spencer W. Kimball said that remember could possibly be the most important word in the dictionary. Because we have made covenants with God, he said, we need to remember. If you remember, you won't forget who you are and what your real story is and that it started long before you came to this earth and long before you were abused. You won't forget that you were created with love, that you have a purpose to fulfill, and that there is a reason you are here. If you remember, you won't forget to pray, you will remember to read your scriptures, and you will come back to church. If you remember, you won't forget that the true test in this life is to let God walk with you. Remember, our rainbow is God's symbol of hope and better days and of God's covenant that he will always be with us, that we were not meant to live this plan alone. In the scriptures, when God says he will remember us, it is an affirmation that he will keep this promise. 1 Nephi chapter 21, verses 15 and 16 read, Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee, O house of Israel, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. This is my seventh and final episode. I have completed this work God has given me to do according to his own purpose. I seal this testimony with my love. One of the greatest paradoxes of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that true freedom comes in not having an infinite number of choices, but in the single choice to choose God and the knowledge that you will always choose God no matter what. Life is only hard when you resist that choice. I chose God and he has chosen me to bear this testimony to you. If you choose God with me, then, my friend, I will meet you in heaven someday. Finally, I ask you, do you feel stronger now? I speak now to the people who have been with me through all my joy as well as all of my ugliness. Tom, you are the love of my life. Shane, you are my sunshine. Abby, you are my beautiful daughter inside and out. Lola, you are my funny bunny and my best helper. Melanie, my most loyal friend. Debbie, my guardian angel. And Jesus Christ, my brother, my savior, and my redeemer, who is my advocate with the Father, who has lovingly watched over me through it all. <laughs>